Welcome to All Fired Up. I'm Louise, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk all things anti-diet. Has diet culture got you in a fit of rage? Is the injustice of the beauty ideal getting your knickers in a twist? Does Fitspo make you want a Spitspo? Are you ready to hurl if you hear one more weight loss tip? Are you ready to be mad, loud and proud? Well, you've come to the right place. Let's get all fired up. Thank you for joining us once again on All Fired Up. So this week I have an amazing guest. Her name is Meg McClintock and she is an accredited practicing dietitian based um, near Sydney. And she's of course an anti-diet dietitian and she's actually one of our untrapped guides as well. So in Untrapped, Meg introduces people to the idea of bringing mindfulness and intuitive eating into the family home. So that enormous challenge of eradicating diet culture and good and bad food and healthy and unhealthy food from family dinners and she has rescued countless numbers of kids and their families from the trap of diet culture and free people up to have a joyful relationship with eating and I'm so lucky to have had the honour of referring a lot of my clients to Meg and what I hear back from everyone who sees her is just how lovely she is, how not only is she very intelligent and knowledgeable in her profession but she's very empathic, got a lot of common sense and just you know one of those humans that you just want to be close to because she's just a wonderful person. So it does take quite a lot to fire up Meg so I was quite interested when she contacted me kind of I guess in a bit of a rage about something that had popped up across her Facebook feed. So this week's conversation that I had with Meg was around a fairly complex topic. You know, it looks simple on the outset, but it's not really that simple. So we cross issues in this episode around how dietitians in Australia are being encouraged to promote products that are to do with nutrition or nutrition concerns and just about sometimes how there seems to be very little thought about what kinds of products are being endorsed and represented by dietitians. And I mean, of course, dietitians enjoy, they have a huge amount of university training. They're extremely knowledgeable and held in very high esteem because of this amount of education and because of their knowledge base. But this can get undermined when product endorsement happens in a profession. And I guess from the non-diet perspective, this undermining can be even more of an affront when the products that are being promoted very much buying into diet culture, very much buying into the idea of good or bad foods or healthy or unhealthy foods or sort of buying into food fads. And as you'll hear when we start talking about what this product is, like this particular product is just so, just so incredibly sexist. I just don't know how anyone can endorse it. Anyway, without any further ado, I will let you go and listen to the chat that I had with Meg. So Meg, thank you so much for joining us today. No worries. And what is firing you up? Oh, I'm quite fired up. (laughs) I'm fired up 
about a few things. It's sparked by this product, which I think has been seen around Facebook a bit called Skinny Sugar. And the product itself fires, yeah, the, <laughs> the product itself and its existence kind of fires me up. But I got really cranky. The way I first learned about it was on Facebook, a dietitian who's fairly well known, has a fairly large social media following, just did a video of her, oh, I received this today. I'm really looking forward to trying it. And it's this box that over the top has guilt-free plastered over the front of it. And then you open it up and, of course, there's your guilt-free, I'm using, you know, inverted commas here, the sugar and some cookies and something else. And I'm just sick of seeing dietitians teaming up with companies and individuals who are creating and profiting from this dysfunctional relationship with food. And so I was like, because if I, if I got fired up every time I saw some nonsense product, I would be pretty cranky. So I generally just roll my eyes and kind of move on. But this one just really got under my skin because like dietitians, we shouldn't be endorsing or promoting products that promote this dysfunctional relationship with food. It's just not on. It's, and it just drives me up the wall. That was really beautifully said. Absolutely. It's becoming more of a problem, it seems. Or I mean, I, don't, I mean, the fact that a health professional overlooked all of the problematic messages is, is yeah. really concerning, right? Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, and, and this sort of blind endorsement that, of course, if because I looked at the website and the whole website is plastered with guilt-free, guilt-free, guilt-free. Oh yeah. Assumption that sugar should make us feel guilty. Totally. And even on the, even one of the lines on the website is, of course, we've all heard by now that excessive consumption of sugar leads to blah, 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 blah. But it's so difficult to balance, you know, a desire to be healthy with wanting to enjoy this. But actually, the difficult imbalance actually comes from this dysfunctional relationship with food. If we actually just tuned into our body and allowed ourselves to eat pleasure foods when we feel like pleasure foods and not worry about them so much, where we actually wouldn't have all this guilt and worry and this difficult balancing. It's actually products like this that actually make that really, really hard. Because mm, they're, they're literally suggesting we should feel guilty. That's right, exactly. So they're saying this product exists to help you be healthier, but actually this product causes the most unhealthy behaviours and thought processes around food, which then leads to difficulty actually nourishing ourselves well from self-care it actually leads to not eating well you know not nourishing ourselves well and just yeah irritates me a lot <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. The words, how irritated I am <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's okay that happens to quite a few people on this including me but yeah it's so problematic and it's so twisted the way diet culture does this to us like it suggests guilt so it invents a problem and then it gives us a product that's supposedly going to solve that problem but what's actually going on is that it's keeping the entire problem going and actually worsening yeah. the problem yeah exactly it's exactly the you know it's that classic marketing 101 create the headache like marketing people work in marketing and i think i heard this from perry who i think you're going to have as a guest as well they yeah. literally thought go out and create a headache so you can sell the painkiller mm, mm, yeah and that, that's what diet culture does just beautifully and yeah, that's I think, right. yeah i think the bit that really gets in your ghoulies if you want to say it is when you see another health professional buying into that without any kind of critical thought Absolutely. That's right. And I think it's a frustration I have about the whole, about dietetics as a whole and what we are seen as, which I've been, I spend a lot of time fighting against, you know, we're not the food please, the peace with food or food speak, you know, this really gentle, open, shame-free zone that I create in my practice and I'm trying to, you know, grow further and further in dietetics. 
And then you just see it completely undermined when someone goes, oh, look at this great new product, even though it's got like guilt-free, skinny sugar, all just plastered all over it. Without, you know, no comment, no critical, no criticism of the labelling. It's just, it's just so frustrating. I mean, I've recently moved to a new area, so I'm meeting lots of new people. And of course, as soon as I find our dietitian, it's straight to diet talk. Like I'd be interested, which I'm really not. <laughs> but it's, but so on one hand, it's really frustrating. But on the other hand, like I'm not annoyed at them because of course that's what they think dietitians do. If this is the way that we're happy to promote ourselves in the media, that actually we're totally colluding with diet culture, that mm. our profession is about putting people on diets and making them be good dieters. So Meg, you know, you're a DAA dietitian in dietetics. As, as a dietitian in private practice or anywhere, are there any guidelines or rules about what dietitians are allowed to promote or spread? Or, or are there kind of rules saying you can't endorse stuff that's really quite dodgy? Well, there are around evidence-based practice and around, you know, making sure that we can be called up if we're found to not be practicing within an evidence base. But you have to choose to opt out of receiving marketing material from our corporate partners, which is a lot of big food companies. So really? Yeah, which I have opted out, which might be why I didn't receive a box of skinny sugar, thank goodness. <laughs> or maybe I'm just not influential enough. And so they, when the marketing gurus behind it were looking at who they could send it to, I didn't, didn't make the list. But it, yeah, so not really. Wow. Not so how many DAA dietitians are there in Australia? Oh, I've got no Roughly? idea. Hundreds. Hundreds. Six, seven hundred, maybe more. I don't, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And out of that, so food companies that DAA have partnerships with will actually just sort of use dietitians as a sales force unless they opt out. Well, in theory, it's, you know, to stay in touch with what's new and what's developing, what's happening in food, which is interesting, but I can do that down at my local. I'd rather do that down at my local suit for myself with my critical eyes on. I think the problem is if you don't actually have time to closely and deeply read, you know, media releases and reports that come out about different things, it's too easy for them just to look, to, you know, to feel pressured to recommend them, I guess. I mean, I opted out. I don't feel any pressure. Yeah, it, it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit of a mess that I'm pretty uncomfortable with. Yeah, it sounds like something that the DAA really need to change. That really disturbs me as a consumer to know that some dietitian that I go and see might actually be influenced by marketing and not be held accountable really with that yeah and even if it's not a real conflict of interest like even if someone does have their critical eyes on is reading stuff and is not just endorsing stuff i think the perception is actually bad enough mm. and that's yeah, which, is, which is a problem so all of that kind of all ties into like that's a lot of different issues but all of this kind of comes together when you see mm. this sort of stuff happen and be promoted yeah. essentially by a dietitian um, I did also, I can't find it now. I'm sure it was Tara from Nutrition Guru and the chef also got sent it and she had a very different reaction where she really got into it. I'm not happy. Yeah, I saw how yeah, she was really annoyed by it. <laughs> She's going to try and write to the company and just see what on earth is going on. Which... Yeah, that's right. And I think if that would be my first, if I'd come across it, if she'd been, her video had been the first thing I saw when I came across it, maybe it wouldn't have fired me up quite so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just seeing the first person that you came across being really uniformly positive about it. That it yeah, just looking, yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, and what was what was quite encouraging is another dietitian did go. Oh no, no, no! That guilt messaging is not cool. I'm not happy with the name. So that was cool. Yeah, I mean, of course, yeah. But we've got to have faith that a lot of dietitians will look at this with their critical eye and say, actually, that's that's pretty much a load of crap. 
But because yeah, it's not just about the nutrition. So even if someone did want to reduce their sugar intake and they had diabetes and they didn't know how much they're having and they might choose to use something like that, okay. But it's not just, you've got to also think about the messaging going along with it. Because it's never just about food. Like our food decisions are never just about food. And mm. the challenges that people have in making decisions about food are not helped by nonsense marketing and advertising that really makes it difficult. Yeah. So this one really jumps on the, you know, sugar is this dangerous, toxic, horrendous thing that's causing all kinds of illness. Yeah. And yeah. So what are your thoughts on that, on the whole kind of sugar is toxic debate? Oh, oh just my eyes roll out of my head. Um, I think, again, it's just people not critically thinking. So huge, high quantities. Yeah, no one's denying that actually we do, as a you know, society, probably eat, we eat more sugar than is good for us. And it does increase tooth decay. It's not good for us. However, what is more harmful than a little bit of sugar or even a moderate amount of sugar is a completely dysfunctional relationship with food, is guilt and shame and disordered thoughts and panic and restricting completely and then following it up with a binge, which is, again, what just with every restriction is followed up by an equal and opposite binge. <laughs> it's, just, it's not about the food. It's not about the sugar. You, you can't make a food decision because in your head is just noise, mountain of noise of conflicting, arguing voices then, you know, every time you make a food decision in the day, which is a couple of hundred times, you're just missing out on life. You're just actually so preoccupied by your food and what you're eating that you're actually missing out on so much that's more important than food. So I think the whole sugar is toxic, poison, whatever, has been probably more damaging than helpful. So, you know, yes, maybe some people have, you know, realised how much sugar they were having, realised how insidious it is in our, in our food supply and made some, some positive changes to reduce it. Cool. But I think what's more likely is there's this fear and this shame and this guilt and this worry, blah, 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 is actually undermining any positive changes that may have come about having focused on sugar. Yeah, and it's also, you know, spurned, obviously, this massive industry of diet culture products that prey on fear of sugar, such as yeah. the skinny sugar. Which is and still half sugar. That's it. I know. I read that on the website. It's actually, skinny sugar is actually half sugar and half erythritol, which yeah. is some kind of chemical. Yeah, so it's fruit alcohol. So it sits in, like, the polyols, which, again, is for people who've got irritable bowel syndrome. Often they don't tolerate polyols, so they could end up with quite uncomfortable tummy from using this. And also I'm quite sceptical as to whether it would bake well because of just chemically. Generally, when we heat these things up, they don't behave themselves. Mm-hmm. So I cannot see benefit. <laughs> yeah, because on the website they're saying it's skinny sugar is half sugar, half erythritol, which is a chemical, but it's a natural chemical and it has and it bakes well and it tastes good, unlike other kind of sweeteners. But yes, mm. but it's also got to, you've got to go through a lot of chemical processes to get erythritol or to create it. Like it's actually this this stupid use of the word chemical like we should all be scared of it like water is a chemical like everything is a chemical mm-hmm. it's just nonsense to go oh it's got no chemicals well i'm sorry that's just not physically possible because everything is chemical yeah well this is saying it's got no chemicals but it's a chemical called erythritol <laughs> which, which is better than cane sugar it gets just very confusing when you think about it too much it does say you know the usual stuff about we should be using this of course to alleviate the guilt 
mainly, mm -hmm. but also because it has no calories because it doesn't cause insulin spikes. It's low GI or zero GI. Yeah, they're really a bit mucked up about GI. There's a question on their page about so GI is glycemic index, which is the effect that carbohydrate has on your blood sugar. And it has this question saying, we just if you're using this when you use skinny sugar, you simply halve your GI intake, but GI isn't something you can have an intake of, it's no. a response to what you eat. So that's what I all, thought. It's all a bit mess mess. I know they go like the technical answer is this. I'm like, well, you weren't very technical actually in your answer at all. <laughs> it's just a mess. It's a mess. And that's before, which I know is your favourite thing, before we get onto the images on the website of all our fifty oh. housewives. Oh, 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 this is the bit that tipped me into the different stratosphere of being enraged because I saw the Facebook video as well and I saw the endorsement from the dietitian and I thought, well, that's a bit crappy. But then when I actually went to the website, I literally thought I had gone back into the last century. You want to grab your pinny, your apron and your rolling pin and get baking? <laughs> literally, the whole website is full of 19, 1950s housewives. Baking. Yeah, except like 20 year old ones. Oh, like 20, 20 year old 1950s housewives with enormous boobs and tiny waist thanking skinny sugar for not making them fat so they can keep baking, presumably yeah. their husbands. Oh, no, it's just, oh. yeah, I, we really need to move on from I, this sort of absolutely sexist marketing. Just. So, you know how before you got a bit like speechless? I'm now at that point of rage. <laughs> <laughs> it's so incredibly sexist and yes. so enormously insulting to even to baking it's just I mean oh, yeah, even the picture where she's sitting lounging back on a chair with her you know come hither eyes and gently placing a bit of muffin in her mouth in like a sexual manner I think come on like <laughs> really is it that like critical eyes on I'm not buying it like this sort of advertising gets straight on my not buying at least Oh. Sex advertising, objectifying advertising, like they're right up there as my number one, two reasons to just shove something on that I'm never buying that list. Yeah, yeah, I'm never buying this and I'm going to tell everyone I know never to buy this. But so the message they're giving with that is that being a 1950s housewife and responsibly not feeling guilty by having any sugar makes you really horny as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I Oh, yeah. And that brings me to the other thing I think we were talking about just before we started recording, the we, like all over the website, we believe this, we created this, we, 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 but oh. we, you know, we have recipes going back generations that need sugar. Who's we? Who the hell are we? Right? Yeah. Because yeah. they're, they're using this very familiar language and like we, 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 but we don't know who skinny sugar is. And we actually tried to have a look at who they are, which is difficult because they don't appear to even have a business name registered. But going back into a little bit of private detective work, we found that the owner is someone called Neil Page, who owns something called OzConnect Traders, which has um, been trading since May 2016. Neil is an expert strategy executive and a white male. And in his LinkedIn profile, it says he's good at quote unquote, exploiting domestic and international marketing opportunities. Well, that's right there, isn't it? Exploiting, like that is marketing. Exploit, manipulate. It's <laughs> not actually because people want to help you. It's because they want you to buy their stuff. Do you know what's not on Neil's LinkedIn profile? How much he loves baking. It's... <laughs> <laughs> no picture of him there in his, in his you know, pinny in his 
they're no. all done up in 1960s. No, maybe there's a few of them in his bedroom, but it pretty much looks to me like Neil likes exploiting stuff. Look, you know, he's credit to him. He's definitely done that. He's definitely exploiting women here and exploiting food guilt. He's really annoyed quite a lot of people, I think. But that's as far as we know who Skinny Sugar is. So it's possible that OzConnect traders are connected to someone else somewhere, big food somewhere. But, you know, that lack of transparency is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And why? And I, and again, I don't know whether this was something that a lot of that has got or just, you know, influences based on how much social media they've got or who decides all that stuff. So I don't know if it was, that's part of how they got details. But really... Most food is made, like processed food, is made by a very small number of companies, all under other companies' affiliates of this, subsidies of this. So I would be surprised if it wasn't embedded in there somewhere. Yeah, well, it's certainly appeared in Woolworths now, and Woolworths had a full-page ad of the sexist, horny housewife type thing. So it's in her heels, because we all have put it on our heels <laughs> when we're <laughs> I'm so angry right now. Yeah, it's just utterly tragic. So where do we go with products like this? I mean, obviously, it's not buying them is going to help reduce the impact yeah. of stuff like this. But it's just, it, like you said, it's a mess. Like, it just seems to be such a mess with food supply and relationships with associations like the DAA. And, oh, let's mention this one too, right? We found that the CWA, the Country Women's Association, oh, are endorsing this. Yeah, oh, they're on the, I only noticed it was on the back of the packet, which might be why they're trying to keep this housewife. They're actually not trying to sell it to, I don't know, the models are clean, but maybe they're actually their private market is older women, or maybe they're just trying to hedge their bets. I don't know. But yeah, that's pretty annoying. Yeah, it's, oh, it would be interesting to find out who in the Country Women's Association approved this. Yes, and I can only imagine my grandma or my husband's grandma, who, you know, is CWA member forever rolling her eyes and just thinking this was complete nonsense there's just no way that actually that this would be something that she would yeah she would use in her classic traditional sponge cake recipe or whatever well um, i mean just i can think of two things off the top of my head like one it's a real insult to the country women's association to i would have thought so continue to promote this idea of the 1950s housewives and two like they're proud bakers like really they're gonna use this different product that's going to change the taste of their recipes. I, I just can't see it happening. Yeah, that's right. And I think the CWA have also come, you know, come a long way not just being about baking either. Like actually just mechanism and do some great stuff on safety. And so, I, yeah, let's move on from this. From the constant of the messaging, the thing that we need to be worried about is being skinny. Let's talk about the, I mean, just the word skinny sugar is... I know it's a term. I can't believe you call a product skinny sugar. Like, that's a great idea. Oh, and we see skinny on all sorts of things now. Skinny, skinny drops, MCT drops you can put to water to make your water skinny. Just so recently, I was like, that's just complete nonsense. Skinny cocktails, skinny, every, like, it's just, again, it's so everywhere that I think people have stopped even considering if it's helpful or harmful or what it actually is saying. Yeah, well, that's just... right. It's so ubiquitous. It's so everywhere. We've actually forgotten the impact of that word, yeah. the implication of that word. Yeah, that's right. And I think, again, it comes down to the fact that we, in diet culture, it is completely normal for these diet concepts to just be an everyday conversation. 
you know, I remember speaking to a business coach a few years ago about how, like, I'm not going to make market dieting. I'm not going to market weight loss. I'm not going to collude with diet culture. I'm going to be completely separate. And she was basically saying, well, weight loss is the golden goose. Everyone wants it and it's easy to, and they'll pay a lot of money for it. So you might have to just sell them what they want. I, you know, tell them you're going to help them lose weight um, and then give them what they need, which is, you know, what my non-dieting that I do. And there's just no way that I'm going to do that. There's no way I'm going to clue diet culture like that and do harm like that. I'm just not going to do it. Mm. But it's, and it's just so out there, it's so normal that when you don't, it's really different. Yeah, it really stands out. But, you know, I, it's interesting that you said that about the business coach because I've had, you know, over the years, marketing help from various people and I've had the same thing. People who always say to me, look, it's okay to, I guess, bait and switch, right? To yeah. put it out there that I can help you with your weight, weight loss. It's so inauthentic and I won't, I just oh, won't do it. I've never agreed to do that and I never would. But this is on another level. This guinea stuff is not even bait and switch. It's no, that's right. <laughs> you that's know, right. It's... and unfortunately, there's this so such a lack of critical thinking about diets because it's just assumed everyone knows that everyone's going to be trying to be getting skinny. Everyone mm. knows, mm. you know, whatever. Yeah. That so the it, assumptions there, like because everyone's feeling guilty and everyone needs to cut down and eat less and get thinner. That's not yeah, ever people, That's right. And the people who aren't. Or suddenly go, oh, there's something wrong with me. Maybe I should. Maybe I should feel guilty that I just ate a marshmallow or whatever. Like, mm. it's just that. So it becomes this cycle of getting deeper and deeper and deeper into diet culture. We've just got to step right out. I read this morning, um, you know, we've got to step out of the matrix. <laughs> like, and that's what we're untrapped. You know, your program is so good. It's like, we've got to get out of the prison and live mm. a different free life yeah we need to absolutely reject this stuff absolutely that quiet on it anymore exactly like i know that what, what i'm planning to do next time i go to woolies because i do shop there i'm going to take the kids and i'm going to take them and i'm going to show them the skinny sugar and we're going to have a little chat about how crap that yeah. is we're going to have that yeah. thinking discussion about why do we have to have a message about the size of our bodies on a packet of stuff that's just used for baking and how and just yeah. how that is because this this kind of education because it really does bother me right my kid's gonna uh, another product in Woolies is gonna have this stupid message on it and yeah that's right exactly and it's just again again and again and again and if you don't think about it critically if you just absorb it it becomes the mm. way you think mm. yeah and absolutely no that's not okay and it's it's definitely not okay from you Neil Page you obviously <laughs> sexist white guy who has this idea that this is what the country women's association and obviously the women because you assume that it's only women baking too which is really well not. there's literally no mess like there's no messaging there for men at all like mm. it's all very clear everything you know the, the packaging is pink like it's just your lowest common denominator no thought went into this kind of marketing like it you know like it's just yeah it's, what's i guess what is frustrating and a bit saddening is that it must work and so that's why we've got to really get this sort of this change yeah. out there and challenge this stuff because if we don't it's just going to keep going it's just going to be easier and easier and people are going to have to work less hard and less hard and less hard to convince people that what they're doing is wrong but they can fix it and they can provide the product for them to fix it yeah absolutely you said it works i am hopeful because like i looked at the facebook page for skinny sugar there's only like 60 likes <laughs> oh good <laughs> 
one. And there's obviously no comments on the website with the, you know, horrendous Q&A section where he gets it all wrong. Yeah, so I'm, cool. hoping, okay. I'm hoping that this is not just that it's new. Hopefully that it's people who have just gone, yeah, nah, I'm not buying it. I'm out of there. Yeah, that's too offensive. Even, I mean, I don't think the actual packaging has the 1950s housewife on it, but just the word skinny sugar, I hope that's offensive enough to people to turn away from it. Yeah, I hope so. And then there's side effects too, which are not mentioned, not mentioned on the website or any kind of, like you were mentioning earlier, how some people with irritable bowel might not react well to this kind of chemical. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So the fruit alcohols group, so polyols is a group of our FODMAPs. I don't know if you've heard of FODMAPs, which is fermentable sugars, basically, that people with irritable bowel syndrome often can't tolerate a lot of. So they can have a bit, but not a lot of. And mm. so this, this is one of those. Okay, um, yeah. It's possible that people who have irritable bowel syndrome will react to this where they wouldn't to sucrose, normal cane sugar. Okay, yeah. Because it's not on the Skinny Sugar website, but when I did a Google search of erythritol, it did come up with there are side effects for some people who get headaches, who get diarrhea, who get tummy upset. Right, um, yeah, well, that definitely fits the tummy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Much. And, you know, that should be on the website. It just should be. And yeah, if people not- start suddenly adding something, yeah, to their diet, then it's, yeah, you want to know there's potential for side effects. Like even chewing gum. Chewing gum has to put it on. With the oh, yeah, the laxative effect of chewing gum. Yeah, yeah. And it's the sorbitol, so it's the same family. Yeah. And I think, too, there's research, right, on these sugar substitutes and their impact on satiety. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think it's going to be something that's more and more we'll find out a bit more about. So there's a lot of unanswered questions still. But I have certainly read information about the brain expects sugar when it's yeah. having sweet stuff and then if it doesn't get it because it was fake sugar it was no had no didn't actually translate to any change in blood sugar we can go seeking out more mm, yeah i've read that kind of stuff too particularly i think a lot of the research been done with diet soda or mm, you know yeah. diet soft drink so when you have a diet soft drink with no calories or no sugar in it but your brain's really expecting it and so mm. you kind of develop a craving and later yeah, that day, right. you know, you'll find yourself wanting something sweet. Yeah, and yeah. Your fullness, like your satisfaction signal doesn't get hit when we get fake sugar. So, yeah, and I think also people, this sort of messaging disconnects people from the idea of satisfaction as well. Yeah. So it's not even about the thoughts get in the way. The, the brain, you know, we end up eating with our brain instead of with our mouth. And so we're not tuning in. And so even, yeah, it's just, it gets, there's just so, so again, that noise, as I mentioned, that people can't, they aren't actually experiencing the eating. They're not actually experiencing the pleasure. Mm-hmm. And particularly then on top of that, there was this expectation of, you know, satiety or an impact on blood sugar doesn't come. They're just going to leave them right open for that, you know, what we see in that sort of restrict binge. Mm-hmm or feeling like they're unable to stop that feeling of being out of control which are worsened by this sort of stuff yeah well like the clients that we see right the people that come to us and say i've been on a fairly strict sugar-free diet for a couple of months and now i'm binging and i'm out of control and i can't stop eating yeah and it's recognizing that that binging is directly the result of the starvation and the restriction yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then in the, you know, sort of the, again, emerging area of neuroscience and diet is, you know, that, that dieters, restrictors are more susceptible 
to upsizing, more susceptible to food marketing, and that a small sort of indulgence, for want of a better word, is more likely to set them off on a binge type behavior than people who aren't sort of dieters, aren't restrictors, a bit more intuitive eaters. And it actually makes a whole lot of sense when you listen to the stories of people and when you break down that diet cycle. Yeah, yeah. It's such a perfect trap for people, isn't it? That yeah, because the more they the, the more they try to get control, 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 the more out of control they feel, and the more they let go of those rules and those external control influences, and start tuning into body trust and their their internal wisdom, and just being more peaceful and relaxed around food. All of a sudden, they don't feel out of control, mm. Um, mm. and so it can take a bit of a process to get there. But it's just like the more we try to control stuff, the more out of control we feel, and the more we let go of those rules tune into our body, the more calm and comfortable we feel and the more in control we actually will feel, even though we don't feel like we're having to force it. Yeah, yeah, because real, you know, control isn't actually trying to restrict or... No, it's just it's just not having those intrusive thoughts. It's just going about your day, not thinking about food until you're hungry and then eating and then going about your day, not mm. thinking about food until you're hungry again. That <laughs> is actually, that's, you know, it looks like... From the outside, it can look like control. From the inside, it feels like peace. Oh, that's such a good way of putting it. Exactly. And I imagine, you know, sometimes like if if mindfulness was big food, (laughs) like if we were in control, how all food packaging would just sort of say, this is just food. Like, this is food. Yeah, this is food. This is green, green, crunchy food. And this is kind of spicy food. And this is what you feel like. Yeah, this is mushy food and this is sweet food and this is sour food. Yeah, and at different times of the day and different mm. situations, you will feel like different types of food. Mm. Um, Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be a great marketing adventure? Yeah. To, to shift everything <laughs> into messages about, I want you to connect to your body and what you feel like right now, rather than the constant messages of like, how guilty are you feeling and how skinny or otherwise are you? Yeah, yeah, and all the nonsense on food labels. No nasties. What? Like, it's not regulated at all what a nasty is. <laughs> no, no nasties, yeah. Oh, it's not baby food. And even natural goodness. Like, sorry, mm. what is goodness? And you know what else is what's natural? Arsenic and cyanide <laughs> and, like, all sorts of things that are natural that are going to kill you, like, you know, funnel web spiders. <laughs> this whole fallacy that if it's natural it's not going to harm you is just again exploited it's that word it's, a, it's that same word that comes up again which the promoter of this product proudly puts on his LinkedIn uh-huh. whereas when did exploiting become something to be proud of i don't know maybe he only thinks that money. Oh, only money in the way yeah yeah I reckon neil thinks that all of us women are too busy baking and looking sexy to actually read linkedin <laughs> <laughs> no thanks neil i don't feel no like being exploited, by you. Like exploited. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a great way for people to really to start challenging this like what is the intention of this messaging and that's how you know that's something which i try to teach my kids try to teach the teenagers that i work with in schools mm. and adult clients as well the whole spectrum is what is the intention behind this message what mm. is the of this message critical as on be keep thinking through it what is the goal because we, we know that it's not actually about most likely not about your well-being mm, yeah what? absolutely and it's it's a teachable skill my kids are getting really good at it now yeah 
Yeah, and sometimes they're picking it up when I don't pick it up. So I had a great conversation with my, I think he was five at the time, my now eight-year-old, and I just taught, asked him what he thought of a few of the ridiculous David Avocado Wolf um, nonsense beliefs. And mm. there's a guy who believes if you eat squashed ants, you live forever. And he believes <laughs> that, you know, gravity doesn't exist and he believe, and whatever, I can't remember what the other belief is. And my five-year-old goes, so is he just crazy or is he trying to trick people? <laughs> Like my five-year-old knows there are two options. He's either trying to trick people, he's manipulative and exploitative, or he's just plain nuts. Like, mm. <laughs> and so I'm like, I love that. love that critical thinking. Let's keep that as long as we can. Mm. Yeah. That, I mean, you feel so proud as a parent when, when you see your kid actually pushing back against diet culture. And, yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they're immune to it. They still get hit with everything. But oh, absolutely. yeah, there's a little critical person inside that is growing and I love that. Yeah, yeah that's right. We need mm. more of that. Mm. Oh, what a great conversation. Thank you, Meg. Oh, how, no are worries, you, how are you feeling now with the rage factor? I feel like um, it's been quite therapeutic. I'm feeling, <laughs> feeling a lot more relaxed now. I'm going to you know, walk down and pick up my kids from school and I think I'll be quite calm this afternoon. <laughs> Absolutely. And maybe you'll do a bit of baking in the high heels. Or... I might get my heels on and do some bakes and scones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe get the husband to get the high heels on and yeah and i'll just make sure the kids are really quiet when he gets home that his dinner's prepared and that no one disturbs him so he can just you know he's had a hard day at work and so i better yeah i better make sure that the dinner's on and the kids are quiet oh oh no no it's just not gonna be like that well and i've got i'm raising three boys and i need Yes, this is really, really hard for women, this sort of marketing and this in this constant attack and exploitation. It's hard for hard for women and it's hard for it's hard for boys and men as well. And so yeah, as it much doesn't, as doesn't I want to push back against those messages for women, I want to push back against those messages so my boys can be mm. wonderful people in society who, you know, who treat everyone equally. Mm, who don't, don't end up like Neil. Yeah. Don't end up like Neil and don't expect a nineties fifties housewife. Mm, God, no. Yeah. Thank you so much, Meg. Your wisdom, as always, has made me feel better about this and also made me feel better about dietitians because the non-dietitians are the ones who have opted out of these relationships and that really can be trusted to navigate. Yeah, yeah. And it's really growing. So, And I think what is good is more often, I think we see these sorts of measures. People don't get away with it. And whether it's mm. the who try to use fat shaming to get people into their gyms or products like this, more, it seems that more and more people are calling it out, calling it for what it is, which is really encouraging. And so we just need to keep going doing that. Yeah. And that's what, that's what All Fired Up is going to keep on doing. One by one, we're going to topple them all. Excellent. I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Meg. Talk soon. Thanks, Lou. Bye. That was the incredible Meg McClintock from Choose Nutrition and I'm so pleased we got a chance to unpack that and discuss such an important topic. So I hope that you guys are enjoying the podcast so far. I'm getting some really lovely feedback from people and I want to say a huge thank you for all of your support and encouragement. And of course, if you are annoyed about something, if diet culture is getting up your nose, please let me know about it. Send us an email to admin at untrapped.com.au and let us know all about it and we'll try and unpack the crap for you. And if you're enjoying the podcast, of course, please go to iTunes and like it and give it a nice five-star rating and subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes that are coming up. Of course, if you are interested in joining our community at Untrapped, go to untrapped.com.au and check us out. 
download our free ebook that we have there, which is called Everything You've Been Told About Weight Loss is Bullshit by me and Fiona Willer. It's a really nice little summary, I guess, of our approach and why anti-dieting is the safest and most humane way to go. If you're looking for peace when it comes to your relationship with food and your body and with moving. So thank you once again for listening and I will be back next week with a brand new episode of Steaming Diet Culture Crap. So in the meantime, trust no one, think critically, push back against diet culture, untrap from the crap.